G'day and welcome to Property, Australia's favourite obsession. My name's Jeremy Cannon and today is the final episode of the mini-series, My Formula for Real Estate Profits. See, this is my formula and this is how I see and approach real estate. And as you would have worked out by now, it all centres around understanding and defining the drivers of property prices. Technology, population, infrastructure, government, and of course, credit. And if we encapsulate this all around within the concept of the effortless advantage, that's how I approach property. See, once you understand the drivers, this can become your frame of reference for your decision making. Property is a long game. The really big money is made holding quality property with the essential drivers pushing prices higher and higher. And this is because of the concept of the effortless advantage that I introduced in episode one of this mini-series, My Formula for Real Estate Profits. See, as humans, we continually strive for improvement. And this improvement ensures that we continually become more productive, producing productivity gains. And these productive gains create increased profits, which are then used to bid up the price of property in the most desirable location. And this is why property is a long game, because as a species, we keep becoming more and more productive. And this also means that there's a definable and a repeatable process that creates these gains. Understand this process and you'll have a huge investing edge over those who continue to make emotional and irrational investment decisions. But today, we're here to talk about credit. And credit is the final driver. And it is such an important driver of property prices. See, credit not only greases the economic wheels that help facilitate economic growth, but more importantly, it puts the dynamite under property prices. With booming credit results in booming prices. Credit plays a crucial role in how investments are priced. This concept is important to understand and appreciate. It has wide ramifications as to how both assets are priced as well as how the boom-bust cycle can exist within our current economic framework. So to illustrate this point, if I said to you that you had $100,000 in savings and you turned up on a beautiful Saturday morning to bid at auction on your dream home, how much could you pay for the property? Well, clearly, the answer is $100,000. That's all you could bid. That's all the money that you've got to spend. But what if there was a lender who was willing to use your 100,000 as a deposit on the property and lend you another 100,000 to spend? Then, at auction, under the hammer, how much could you now afford to spend? And the answer is clearly $200,000. You've got 100,000 in your own savings plus 100,000 that you've borrowed from the bank. But what if there was another bank with a policy that said if you could stump up a 20% deposit, then they would lend you the balance. Then at auction, how much could you bid? Well, clearly, you'd have your 20% deposit being your $100,000 and the 80% loan of $400,000 giving you a whopping total of $500,000 to spend on a property. Now, the point that I'm trying to make here is that the more access to available credit you have, the higher the price you can pay for assets. The less available credit is to you, then the less you'll have to spend. So when we had no credit available to us, we could only spend our savings of 100000 But when we team up with a bank 
who will lend us 80% of the value of the property, taking our $100,000 of savings as a deposit, then we can bid to $500,000. This is a logical concept, but it has huge impacts on the price of assets. And just think of that crowd at the auction, who has access to credit and who doesn't. You can bet your bottom dollar that those that are bidding the hardest are the ones that have access to the most amount of credit. And of course, if you just love the property, then you'll bid as high as you can to acquire it. The availability of credit is driven by many factors. And over time, these factors and influences change and alter, which in turn affect the availability of credit. And this starts to describe the cycle. At the pointy end of this is the lenders, and it's they who extend or create the credit that the economy uses. And excluding the regulatory controls that are placed over the banks, credit availability is primarily determined by associated risk and profitability to the lenders. Again, this is fairly straightforward. The lower the risk and the greater the profitability of the loan, the more credit the lender will want to extend. And as the risk of lending deals increase and the profitability of such lending becomes less profitable, then banks, of course, will be less inclined to lend money. But both these statements have the self-fulfilling outcome, which drives the ebb and flow of the availability of credit. Think of it this way. If lots of credit is available in the economy to be used to purchase real estate, then this will push prices higher and higher as prospective buyers continually bid against one another to acquire property. And as prices increase, then the risk of the bank providing credit reduces. This is because the properties against which the banks have already extended credit have grown in value. So the value of the old loans as a percentage of the value of the property will decrease. And each time the property value increases, then those old loans as a percentage of the value of the house will decrease. So as property prices increase, should a borrower default, then the risk for the bank that they can't get their money back decreases. So as property prices increase, this reduces the risk to the banks. And as this risk reduces, then the banks are more likely to extend further credit which will of course be used to drive prices higher again. Typically, when property prices are rising, then other sectors of the economy are also doing well because business can easily obtain lending enabling them to increase their future profits. And as this momentum increases, soon the economy and property markets will be booming along. However, soon this boom will turn into a bubble where speculation is fed by easy credit. Now, all good things must come to an end, and once property prices stop rising, then the banks will be quick to reduce their risk and hence curb the availability of credit by tightening lending requirements and increasing their safety margins. This will place further pressure on those who are overextended, forcing them to sell down assets. Should such a sell down start to force the price of real estate down, then the boom will very quickly turn to a bust, where exactly the opposite of increasing property prices and increasing credit will occur. Falling prices and a constriction of credit will result. And as more selling occurs, placing more downward pressure on property prices, more borrowers will be placed into financial distress, forcing further sales and a further reduction in the availability of credit as the banks try to protect their capital from further losses. This contraction period will continue until the risks are reduced for the lending institutions, at which point the cycle troughs out and begins again with renewed credit being extended by the banks. It's worthwhile taking a moment to reflect upon just how banking institutions affect the availability of credit. 
See, typically this is done via their pricing, that is, the interest rates that they offer, or by their credit standards, which they apply to applicants. Taking pricing first, most of the bank's pricing will be done via interest rates, although other fees and charges may apply. The banks will apply a headline rate. This is what you see advertised. And sometimes this will be a teaser rate where a discounted rate is advertised to attract clients, but this might be only available on the loan for a period of time when sooner it will revert to a high rate of interest. The banks will also offer discounts of certain rates to particular clients or segments of the marketplace. And this is often true for, say, the medical profession, who the bank views as being less risky, hence more desirable clients, and the ones that they want to attract. How competitive the headline rate is in comparison to the marketplace and the discount offers that the bank makes available to different customers will help determine the level of credit that they create. When considering the bank's credit assessment, this is a much broader area that incorporates many different elements. Such assessment criteria will be guided by regulatory requirements as well as by the bank's own risk assessment controls. Remember, that the interest rates offered and any such assessment criteria used by the banks is subject to change, and this movement is part of what helps create this credit cycle. As property prices increase in value and the economy booms, then banks will relax their lending standards in response. This relaxing of lending standards will place competitive commercial pressures on other banks to also lower their standards to ensure that they too can attract customers which continues to place pressure on other banks, especially while real estate prices are increasing and hence creating a self-fulfilling expansionary credit cycle. When a loan application is made to the bank, typically applicants are accessed on the security they offer for the loan and their ability to display their capacity to meet repayments. When assessing the security for a loan, a bank will typically apply a bank valuation. And this can be very different from a market valuation because it's used by the bank to help define and contain their risk exposure. And the values that are given by these valuations can have a material effect on the amount of credit that the bank will extend. When it comes to assessing applicants, a bank will create many different hurdles for that applicant to ensure that they can display their capacity to repay the loan. Each bank will have different requirements and definitions. For example, how is income assessed? How does the bank assess such things as part-time or casual employment income? Will overtime and bonuses be included in the assessment of the applicant? And how much employment history needs to be shown? Often a bank will only count a percentage of rental income and not the total amount of rent received. But it's not just on the income side of the assessment. It's also got to do with expenses. See, some banks will apply an amount that they define as living costs for an individual and a higher level for a family. These figures are based on what the bank defines as reasonable living costs and may have nothing to do with the lifestyle of the applicant. At other times, the banks will require individuals to show exactly what their current living costs are right down to the last coffee and bus ticket. Banks pricing and credit assessment criteria will change throughout the cycle as they assess and reassess their risk return payout for creating that credit. Always remember, the banks are in the business of creating credit. It's their business model. And for most of the cycle, they'll be want to expand their credit activities. However, once their profitability is threatened, they will reverse their policies in an effort to protect their profits and their balance sheet. The ebb and flow of the availability of credit will create a self-fulfilling prophecy where property prices will surge and then be subject to stagnation or decline. 
This cycle, this credit cycle, is very important to understand. As productivity improvements are seen by society, these gains will feed back into higher property prices. Add to that the credit cycle and you can start to appreciate how it is that prices at times can see huge moves. Remember that as a backdrop to all this are the rest of our drivers. And just to make this point of how important these drivers are, remember that a bank can only extend credit like they do by way of one of the drivers. That is a government-granted banking license that allows their activity and hence profitability. And it is by no coincidence that in a country that is obsessed with property, that of the 20 largest stocks listed on the Australian Stock Exchange, five of them are banks. Credit is a very important driver of property prices. Lack of available credit will result in investors having less money to pay for assets. And conversely, when credit is freely available, then investors will be flush with cash ready to bid the price of assets higher and higher. Credit availability is determined by risk and the profitability to the lender. And as soon as lenders see an increased risk in lending markets, they will be quick to change their lending standards. The credit cycle describes the ebb and flow of the easy and tight borrowing lending conditions. Remember, credit greases the economic wheels, but it also provides the dynamite that facilitates the boom. Credit is just one of our five drivers of property prices. And couple this with the effortless advantage, you have the basis for understanding why the property market is such a fantastic investment vehicle. My formula for real estate profits explains why the manifestation of the five drivers results in property having to continually increase in value over time. The continual search for improvement by humans ensures that we continually become more efficient, more productive, more profitable, and we will continue to innovate, creating more with less, less inputs, but more outputs. What I hope to have achieved in this mini-series my formula in real estate profits is to have explained the absolute truth that underlies the property market. These are rock-solid, irrefutable facts that drive real estate prices. And once you completely understand, you'll appreciate more and more the lessons from our guests on PAFO. See, PAFO is about my formula. It's about having the guests tell their stories and relating them to the five drivers. Like property, these drivers are all around us impacting and shaping our lives every minute of every day. And we have a choice. Either we can use this knowledge to our advantage or allow the drivers to take advantage of us. It's your choice. I do hope you've enjoyed this mini-series, My Formula of Real Estate Profits. I've certainly enjoyed our time together and I hope that you'll be able to recognise my formula as it manifests in the world around you. My name's Jeremy Cownan and I've been the host of your mini-series, My Formula for Real Estate Profits, so until next time, let's keep obsessing about property. Any opinions or recommendations expressed should be considered general in nature, as they do not consider your personal objectives or financial circumstances. You should therefore consider these matters yourself before deciding whether the advice is appropriate to you and if you should act upon it. Should advice be sought, please seek an appropriately qualified advisor. Investing may not be appropriate for everyone, as there is inherent risk and the possibility of loss when investing in financial assets, just as there is the possibility of profits. While useful for identifying patterns, history and past performance do not guarantee future performance. Calvin Flack has a commercial relationship with guests appearing on this production.